I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I feel something and I sense something, honestly, ever since I've walked into the doors this morning, and it's this. You know, it's amazing how every time we come together, it's always different, isn't it? There's never this cookie-cutter thing, and I'm glad that it's not because God's not in the business of doing cookie-cutter stuff. He's always working and moving in different ways. There's days, there are Sunday mornings when we gather into this room, and it, it, you just feel like you could swing from the, I was going to say the chandeliers, but you feel like you could swing from the, from the light fixtures. You, uh, it's just electric almost, and it's just high energy, and you just feel that. And then there's days like today. Days like today, and I, don't, I just felt the peace of God when I walked in the room today. I, I just feel this calming thing that's going on. I don't know, maybe you have found yourself in the last few days or in this past week, maybe you found yourself in some moments of some high intense uh, anxiety or, or fear or worry or just life just spinning real, real fast. Maybe not even necessarily out of control, but just fast and hard to keep up, and then the Lord just coming and reminding us in a moment like today that, you know what, my peace I give you, the peace that I give you, it's, it's what I give, the world can't give you this, and I want to just give you rest for your soul today, so I hope, I hope you're reaching out and grabbing that today, if that's what you need in your life today, that you're just allowing the Lord just to bring sweet rest and peace into your heart and mind and spirit. I, you know what? It won't hurt my feelings over the next few minutes while I'm preaching. It won't hurt my feelings if I look out and I just see your eyes kind of closing. Because you know what that's going to tell me? That's going to tell me that the Lord is just kind of just giving you some, some good rest. And you know what? He'll let you hear the word subconsciously somehow, I believe. And, you, and, and you're still going to grab a hold of it. But I, and maybe today when you get home, maybe today when you get home, uh, you'll get one of those really, really awesome Sunday afternoon siestas. You know what that is? You know what a siesta is? That's that really good afternoon nap, and um, it is, it, it's going to be good today. It's going to be a great day of rest in our spirit. And uh, I'm great, grateful to see all of you in this house. I'm especially happy to see my Aunt Murr from Center, Texas. And this is Mary, El- Mary Elvin, but I, I'm, I, she's Aunt Murr to me, and... Um, my mom's first cousin, but we, you know how that works in all of our families. You know, the parents' first cousins are our aunts and our uncles and all that good business. And, but anyway, we're so thankful she's here with us today. Decided to make a pit stop on her way back from Jackson to, to Center, Texas, just to spend the night and hang out for, for a day. Uh, Daddy got up here this morning, and he made a couple of comments that I, wasn't know, I didn't know he was going to say and I wasn't expecting. And he began to speak of the miraculous and how that many of us in our lives from time to time, we are in need of a miracle. We need God to intervene. We need God to do what only God can do. I, I don't know if you're like me, if you've ever found yourself at a place or position in your life where you've kind of come to the end of your resources. You've come to the end of your ability to be able to figure it out and put it all together and make it happen. And you get to that place of, of, of just total desperation where you say, God, unless you move, unless you work out this situation or bring your, your hand into this deal, it's, that it's not, it's not going to move forward. It's, nothing's going to happen. And, it's, and we're, prob- we're probably going to see some sort of, some sort of uh, uh, major calamity here. And, uh, and I've looked now over my 44 years of living, and I now thank God for those moments in my life. 
Because it was in those moments that my, my real faith really kicked in then that said, God, I trust you. I just trust you uh, in the middle of the storm, not after the storm is over and I've seen what you did, but while I'm in the middle of all the chaos, I'm trusting you, and we sit and we watch him do the miraculous. No doubt, as Daddy said already, he kind of took the words right out of my mouth, no doubt in a room this size with this many people gathered into one room, there are those of us in this room that have come in here carrying some things. We, we're carrying some issues of life. We've got some 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 battles that we're that we're fighting and we're facing in whatever arena it may be in and what we've come in here today saying in our hearts maybe we've not verbalized it to anyone maybe not even to our own spouse we've not even we've not even verbalized this but we say God unless you intervene unless you do a miracle here I don't know what's going to happen and so we're trusting the Lord today I I, I want us just to I, I want us to first of all just embrace the fact and truly let it be settled in our hearts and spirit today that we do still serve a miracle-working God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a God that changes not. And I believe that he's still working miracles in 2019, just as he was whenever he was walking the face of the earth and, 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 and healing blind eyes and, and seeing the lame people walk. And I believe that same, that same miracle-working God is at work today in our hearts and lives, and he wants to heal us. He wants to make us whole. Why does he want to do that? Why is that his desire for our lives? Because it's not just so that we can patty cake and so we can just say, look at what Jesus did in my life and, and look at me and, 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 or any of that. It is so that whenever we walk in wholeness, when we walk in healing, when we walk in the miraculous power of God, that's when we begin to make a difference everywhere that we go. That's when we begin to see lives changed all around us. And that's what it's all about. It's not just about making my life better. Because the Bible tells us that in this world, we're going to have a lot of trouble. Be of good cheer, for he's overcome the world. Paul said this. He said, I had this thorn in the flesh. I pleaded with God three times. Take this thing away from me. God's reply to him was, my grace is sufficient for you. So he goes on to say, well, then I'll rather boast in my infirmities. And I'll, I'll, I'll be proud of the reproaches and persecutions that I deal with. So I'm not sitting here saying that. Because, it, it, see, it's not about us. But whenever we're whole and we're healed and we're allowing God to work and move and, and, and do what he wants to do, his power demonstrated through our lives, then we truly make a difference everywhere that we go. And that's what it's all about. It's about being life givers and difference makers everywhere that we go. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, beginning with 46, it says, Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples. And when he ate multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. And that's the that's whole sermon right there. Don't let the crowd quieten you. Don't let, don't let the news of the day quieten your cry. Don't, don't, let what, don't, let, don't let what you see on the news diminish your, your belief and your faith in what God can do. He cries out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. Everybody say, he stood still. Aren't you thankful that somewhere, someplace in your life you can look back uh, in the history of your life, and you can see those times and those moments when Jesus stood still in your life. He was there, and he, he, he came to where you were. J Jesus stood still, and he commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, 
what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Could you, could we just imagine for a moment? Because we somehow just, just allow ourselves to, to go there for a moment in our minds and just imagine that Jesus is here. And I believe that he is. I believe that he's always with us, not just because or whether he called this a church service. That's not why he's here. He is with you and he was with me. Whether it's here in this building or whether it's on your drive here this morning, or whether it's on your, your job tomorrow morning, I believe that he is with us. And if we could just imagine him standing before us right now and asking us the question individually, what do you need? What do you need me to do for you? I am here for you. I want to meet you at the point of your need, whatever your concern is, whatever the thing is that you're worried about, whatever that thing is that you're carrying, maybe you're, maybe you're battling and struggling in your finances and you don't know where tomorrow's resources are going to come. Maybe, you, maybe you're standing here today and you're in need of some encouragement and strength in your spirit. And, or maybe you just need some peace in your mind. Or, or maybe, as we talked about a minute ago, you just need some rest in your spirit. Maybe it's your marriage or your home that feels like there's all kinds of disarray and problems there or, or, or your children that you're worried about and you don't know what's happening in their lives or what's going to come of their lives and there's all of these things and Jesus, could you just imagine him standing in front of you today in all of his glory and all of his miraculous power and saying, what do you need today? What do you want? I am here for you. I want to meet you at the point of your need. What do you need today? That's what he asked the man. And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. I want you to think about the bookends of of this text that I just read. Notice in the beginning of the text, it says that he sat on the side of the road. He was sitting on the side of the road. And when we conclude our text, after he has received the touch from Jesus, after he has had an encounter with the Lord, notice the end of that text says, and he followed Jesus on the road. He went from sitting on the side of the road till now he is walking on the road. And he's following Jesus. My prayer today would be for every one of us in this room. Maybe for some of us, maybe who feel like we have we have been put on the side of the road. Maybe maybe you feel like you've been sidelined, and, and now you, you feel like you've been that person that that's just kind of paralyzed, if you will, on the side of the road. Maybe it's that single mom that's here today. Maybe it's maybe it's that relationship that has fallen apart. Maybe it's that broken or shattered dream that you have. Maybe it's maybe it's that someone that's battling and has battled addictions or habits. Maybe it's that someone who is who is living in this tug of war of stress and anxiety and worry and juggling all the concerns in our minds and all along it has paralyzed us on the side of the road. My prayer today is that we would be able to find ourselves not on the side of the road anymore, but now walking put on the road with Jesus. Maybe you've been pushed to the side of the road by someone else, by a circumstance of life that, that was not your doing, that an unfair situation. Someone did something to you and somehow or another it has put you on the side of the road. But today would be your moment. I don't believe, it, there, I don't believe there's a single moment by accident. I, I believe that God designs every moment of our life. And there's a reason why you woke up a little bit earlier this morning and you got the kids dressed and you came to Life Church this morning because there was a word that God wanted you to hear. And for you it was this. This is your moment. I am coming to meet you. You're not here by accident. You're not hearing this word by accident. I am here to meet you. And today's 
your moment. Today's your moment where I am going to do in your life what only I can do. The the things of this earth, the things of this world, the resources that you think you can put your hands on, they're not going to do it anymore. I and I alone am going to put you back on the road again. I would love for every one of us who are here today who maybe feel like we've been We've been on the side of the road to have that moment with God where we get back on the road again. What a drastic change there was in this man's life in just six or seven short verses that we just read. You go from being blind on the side of the road, destined on the side of the road, without even ability to take care of yourself. He's literally begging for alms on the side of the road and he's shaking his cup of change. He goes from that place to now he is walking with sight on the road. As we look at this story, we find that it's about a blind man. And the Bible tells us that he's the son of Timaeus. The son of Timaeus. Many theologians and historians, they believe that that Bartimaeus' father, Timaeus, that he was a very wealthy man. That he, one writer said that he, he, he was very profitable. Another said that this was a man of, of great honor. And for whatever reason, and we don't know, the scripture doesn't tell us, but for whatever reason, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, finds himself on the side of the road. Uh, This is one of those examples in scripture. But honestly, we don't have to look very far in our modern day today in relationships and people that we know. We don't have to look very far to see this is one of those situations where, where you have one generation that is up here with honor, with success, with wealth, and money, and resource, and somehow or another, through whatever circumstance or change of life there was, the next generation finds itself down here. This is one of those subtle reminders to all of you today, especially to us parents, grandparents, guardians, those of us, those of us who, are, who are nurturing and leading and guiding and growing these children that we ushered out of here just a few moments ago. This is a reminder to us, a subtle reminder to us that it is incumbent upon us to be the ones to carry them, uh, develop and strengthen and, and, and establish that faith in their life, a, a faith that's an unwavering that says, you know what, come what may, we're going to trust God. Come what may, we're going to serve God so that the next generation, when they become the adults, when they become the parents and the grandparents, they are carrying on that legacy of faith. I, I, I didn't have this in my notes today. I didn't really plan on sharing this today, but I will. I, I just have to. I, I have to tell you that there is a great responsibility on my life. And, and it's not just for me. It's for my children. And it's for my children's children. Uh, The Bible tells us in Revelation 12 that that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Can I just tell you, can I just take a minute? I I didn't plan on saying this today, and I'll I'll try to shorten it a little bit if you'll let me just oblige me for a minute. Let me just share this little little thought with you. Many of you know this story already, but, but it's just been so heavy on my heart the last couple of days because I'm looking at my children and I'm looking at I'm looking at their future and I'm looking at their children and and, 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 and generations to come. And I think I tell you about not let this story die. I cannot let my testimony 
die. I, would, I could sit here and tell you of all the things that God has done, the way he's proven himself over and over and over again in 44 years in my life. But he, if he had never done anything for me, if he had never demonstrated his power in my life personally, I still have a legacy that I'm supposed to carry on. Because see, it was just two generations ago. It was just two generations ago when my father's father and mother, my grandparents, my paternal grandparents, were living in the city of Alexandria. And they were as far away from God as anyone could be. They, had, they, they weren't living a life of faith. They, 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 had, they had gotten to a place in their life where they, where, where they were self-reliant, if you will. And, 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 and you know what happens when you get in that place. Things begin to deteriorate. Things begin to, to fall apart. Things begin to crumble. And that's exactly what was happening in the Bates home. My, my grandmother and my grandfather, they were at the point now with, with, uh, with, with five children at home and, uh, and small children. Maybe it was just four at the time. Maybe that was before the, the last caboose came, the, the caboose came along. But, but, but small children at home and, and, and they're struggling in their life and they're struggling in their marriage and, and everything is falling apart. It's a godless situation. And there was, this faith, there was this faithful servant of God, a sweet and precious pastor's wife. And to she and two other ladies in a, in a time of prayer in this particular church, they would have 24-hour prayer. And to this day, that same church still has a 24-hour chain of prayer that's going on around the clock in the church every, every day. And it's been going on for years and years, dating all the way back to this time in the early 50s. Whenever, whenever this woman and two other ladies says, you know what, we are going to we're going to knock on every single door in the city of Alexandria for the cause of Christ. We want to see people come to know Jesus. We want to see them experience life. We want to see lives changed. We want to see homes transformed. We want to see people serving their purpose and, and the calling that God has for their life. And one of those doors was my grandparents' house. My grandfather was working state police. He was uh, with Troop E, and so he was, he was working on this particular day, and my grandmother comes to the door, and you've heard my dad tell this story many times before, but it was about 10 o'clock in the morning, and she comes to the door with a martini in her hand. For real. The pastor's wife says to her, gives her her spiel, says, we've just come to bless you. We want to invite you to our church. We'd love to minister to you in any way. My grandmother, in a very polite and kind way, let her know that we have our church affiliation. We've got, we've got our religion. We're, we're good. Thank you, for, thank you for your time and thank you for coming and closes the door on her. But thank God when that line is. Pastor's wife, I say little, she's a giant of a woman and she's still living today in her early 90s and still preaching and powered down from heaven every time. I wish, I wish it was where we, should, we could have her come preach here. I, I, I wish we could make that happen. I would love for you to meet Sister Vesta Mangan. What an amazing, powerful woman of God. Still living today, still touching lives today, all these years later. But she gets to her car and she stops and she, she, she felt quickened in the spirit and she, she wrote her name and number down and she went back to the door and she says, you may not need me today, but the day may come when you will. Please take my card. My grandmother takes the card, throws it in the back of a drawer somewhere and, 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 and days and weeks and months pass by until things had gone from really bad to worse in the Bates home. And one day when my grandfather is sleeping because he's been working graveyard the night before, this six-foot-six giant of a man is resting in the back of the house. Things have fallen apart. There's divorce coming. There's foster care being spoken of for the children. There's all these 
things that are, that, are, that are taking place in their home. And in that moment of desperation, my grandmother goes and to that drawer and she finds that card. She calls that pastor, that pastor's wife and that pastor. And they immediately, the pastor and his wife, they came to the home. Now that pastor, Brother, brother G.A. Mangan, he stood about this tall, but he was, a, he, was a, he was a fireball and he was a wiry guy. I mean, he, this guy was, it was all about it. But they showed up at the house. My grandfather's still sleeping. My grandmother calls for him. Tells him what, what, what's going on. We got a pastor here and they've come to help us in our time of need. My grandfather begins to cuss. He begins to tell her and scream from the back room of how much they don't need what this preacher has to offer. And he says, if you don't get that blankety blank preacher out of my house, I'm going to come throw him out myself. And he begins to make his way down that hallway. And as soon as he opens up into the clearing of the front of that house where that preacher faithful servant of God and his wife were immediately my grandfather fell to his knees that six foot six state trooper and began to weep like a baby and began to call out on the name of the Lord and from that moment forward his life was never the never the same again he surrendered his life to the call of ministry would go on to would go on to plant churches one of those particular churches, I was driving through Winfield the other day and saw that thriving, life-giving church right there in, in the center of town that my grandfather founded so, so many years ago, going back to his home place of Win, Winfield and Wind Parish and, and seeing the work of God. I'm going to tell you something. And then, and then he would have a son who would, who, would, who would follow in those same footsteps and surrendering to the call of God and the ministry that God had for him and would spend all these years serving God and serving people and doing the work of ministry. I'm going to tell you something. I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. There, 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 there is a work that has been done, and I've got to carry that legacy on to the next generation. You heard my story, but what's your story? What's your story? I don't know what your story. Maybe, maybe you have those generations behind you, but maybe you are the generation. Maybe you are the C.D. Bates. Maybe you are the one who says today, I am pouring concrete on this thing, and bless God, my, my past and the past of our family, our family history, it doesn't look real good, and it's not real pretty, but it's all changing today. It's all going to change today, and we're fixing to pass something down to the next generation, and the next generation is going to know something that the generation before didn't know, and then three or four or five generations down the road, they're going to be telling the story of the C.D. Bates. They're going to be telling the story because we are establishing something today. And as if that wasn't enough, as if that, as if that wasn't enough, over in Jackson, Mississippi, somewhere in the late 40s, there's, a, there's an alcoholic. I mean, a man who literally does not remember one single sober day after the, day after the age of 11. And he's at the age of 21 now. And he does not remember one single sober day in his life. And his sweet little 16-year-old wife becomes pregnant with their first child. And, and she's in labor. And the child, they're, they're, they're saying that possibly she, she, he's about to lose his wife and his daughter. And, and he goes and he falls before the Lord. And I don't know which, how you feel about this, about about this making deals with God or whatever. Obviously his heart was in the right place because he's 90-something years old today and he's still, saved my still holding true to the same commitment that he made that day when he said, God, if you'll save my wife and you'll save my child, I will serve you all the days of my life. And I'm going to tell you something, he held true to that commitment. He held true to that commitment and he served God all of these years and he served the church and he served others and he served his family and he worshiped God through all of it and he's still doing it today in his 90s. 
I'm going to tell you something. There's a responsibility on me. There's a responsibility on me to carry that on to the next generation. That, that, that son of C.D. Bates, the one who's sitting right here on this front row today, George. George goes to Bible school in Tupelo. And he's driving back and forth between Winfield and Tupelo. And on one of those trips in a, in a Volkswagen bug, he falls asleep behind the wheel, which he's done many times since then. I can attest to, okay? I, I can promise you. I think he gets his best sleep on I-20, somewhere between Monroe and Shreve for it behind the wheel. That's, like, that's, where he gets his, that's where he gets rejuvenated, I guess. But anyway, the point is he falls asleep behind the wheel in that Volkswagen bug and wraps that car around a tree and he ends up in, in, in critical condition in a hospital in Jackson, Mississippi. The pastor of the church in Jackson, Mississippi says, we need to get some of the young people to go and minister to him. And, and they did. Some of the young ladies... Because there's a single young eligible bachelor from Bible school in the hospital... And one of those ladies was Shirley Dodge. And the rest is history. There's a responsibility on me. There's a responsibility on me. I want Bliss telling the story. I want Boston telling the story. And I can't even get over into Kayla's family side. And I, that just gets really crazy. I mean, there's gypsies. I mean, it's all kinds of crazy stuff happening over there. No, I love my in-laws most of the time. <laughs> Y'all, that was, I'm only five pages into my notes. I wasn't supposed to go into all of that today. But this is one of those examples where one generation can be up here and the next generation finds themselves down here. We find that this son, Bartimaeus, he's on the side of the road and he's begging. He's begging. His name, they reference him as blind Bartimaeus. Can I just say this? Shame, shame will always reference you from your lowest level. Shame will speak to us. Our past will speak to us and it will always speak to us from our lowest level. Level. It will be known to us at our lowest level. I meet people all the time and I talk to people all the time who are often known by. They're known by that moment in their life. That one dark spot in their life. That one mistake. That one failure. Sometimes people will point out and they'll say, you know, that's that person. <laughs> you know so and so. That's the one who... That's the one, you remember, they're the ones who, you remember that time when that thing happened and they had to declare bankruptcy. You remember, she's the one, she's the one who had the affair. You remember that. That's the one who battled that addiction all those years. They're the ones who had that child that now is all messed up. That, that's who they are. And as we read this story, I wonder why is Bartimaeus referred to, why are they referring to him and calling him blind Bartimaeus? The Bible tells us that he can hear. He obviously can hear very clearly. So why don't they call him hearing Bartimaeus? <laughs> he, he obviously was able to pick himself up and get up off the ground on his own. Why don't they call him getting up Bartimaeus? He, he was able to walk toward Jesus. Why didn't they call him walking Bartimaeus? But that's not how we're made, is it? That's not how we think as human beings, is it? We, we always want to, we, we, we want to think about the shortcomings. Well, we, we want to focus on where the mess up was. We, we're, we're so quick to look at, look at where they've been, blind, what they've done. Aren't they the one who, the flaw? 
And so they called him Blind Bartimaeus. Can I tell you, I have met some incredible, powerful, amazing, anointed men of God. Men in this congregation right now who I just admire and love and, and have the greatest, utmost respect for. And I, I see men, and I know men, who, who they work these long hours and they get up early and they work hard. They provide for their families. They come home late. They do everything they can to, to work and serve their families. And they'll go the second and the third mile and they do everything they can. And yet... And yet they will struggle with that one thing, that one mistake, that one mess up. And every time they look in the mirror, they dislike the person they're looking at all because of that one shortcoming. They could have nine positives in their life, but they're always drawn to the one negative. That's the one thing that consumes their life. And now they've come to literally hate themselves because of the blind area in their life, because of the blind Bartimaeus complex that they've now developed because of that one shortcoming. Forget all the good stuff. Forget all the blessings. Forget everything that God has anointed them with. It's that one thing that pulls them down every single time. That's what the people said to him. They said, you're blind, Bartimaeus. Forget about all the stuff that you can do. Forget about all the stuff that God says that you are. We see you as within your shortcoming. Seen it in the, in the lives of so many of our, of our precious women of God, wives and moms. They take care of their families and they love on their children. Some are working very demanding jobs and they're, 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 they're juggling these schedules and sports and cheerleading and all these types of things. They're trying to do the very best they can. And I have the greatest respect. I have the greatest respect for all of our young moms and wives and uh, who, who, are, who are these amazing, strong women and they're, they're, they're holding our families together and, and they're doing it and they're doing it with, with great honor and class. Yet they too, maybe some of you in this room today, are looking at that one area, that one area of low self-esteem, that one place of discouragement, that, uh, that, 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 that depression that I battle and deal with. There, there's that constant draw to only look at and focus on that one area. When there's so much, everyone else can see all the good. Everyone else can see how, how amazing you are and how anointed you are and how called you are. But every time you look in the mirror, all you see is the failure. All you see is the flaw. And this is what we find with Bartimaeus. We find that shame always references him by his lowest point. And I will tell you this, shame will always reference us by our lowest point. Our team will use every opportunity it can to point its bony finger and say, don't you know who you are? Don't you know what you did? Don't you remember that mistake that you made? Shame will always reference our lowest point. But the Bible says, but when he heard, when he heard that Jesus was passing by, this is a great lesson for us to apply to our own life today. Bartimaeus is blind, but he can still hear we need, to, we need to search for, we need to look for, we may, be, we may have all these shortcomings, we may have all these, uh, these handicaps, if you will, in our lives that prevents us from being able to do some of the things that we want to do, but there is still something in us. He may have been blind, but he could still hear. So he said, you know what, I'm going to hone in on what I can do, and I can hear. And so he heard that Jesus was passing by, and he did not ignore it. We don't need to get so engulfed. We don't need to get so overwhelmed or so caught up in what is wrong with our lives that we miss out on what is right in our lives. And what was right in Bartimaeus' life was the fact that he did still have his hearing. 
Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. As Bartimaeus, as he's jingling the coins in his cup, it would be very easy in that moment just to get caught up in the wondering. Why was my dad up here? And I'm having the victory of down here. To become the victim. And you know how it is if you play the victim, you stay the victim. It's easy for us to say, why did I have to go through that broken relationship? I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask to go through a divorce. It just happened to me. Why did I have to be there? And we're jingling the coins. We're steadily reminding ourselves of our poverty. We're steadily reminding ourselves of, our, of, of the victim that we think we are. Why did I have to suffer through that abuse in my life as a child? Why did I have, have to be the one to lose the job? Why didn't I get the promotion? How, how could this happen to my family of all families? Why did I have to get that diagnosis? Why did this have to happen to me? And if we're not careful, we'll jingle the coins of yesterday and last month and last year and last generation and we'll jingle it so loud that we will drown out all the things that are right in our lives. It would have been so easy for blind Bartimaeus to get caught up in his self-pity to sit there and jingle his coins so long that he could not hear that the answer was coming down the road. But he heard, he heard Jesus is going to pass by. He could hear now what God is trying to do right now. I believe there's a right now event that's wanting, that God's wanting to do in every one of our lives. There's that thing that you've been praying of life and believing for, but you've been so engulfed, you've been so overcome and so overwhelmed by the cares and the issues of life, you've not been able to hear, you've not been able to see. God's saying, I want to do this in your life right now. What is it that God is wanting to do in your life today? I wish that we all could just silence the coins for a little while, quit jingling the coins for a little while, and open our ears and hear that God is here to answer us. He is here to meet us at the point of our need. Look, I'm not denying the fact the, uh, the facts of yesterday. I'm not denying the fact that there are issues that we've all had to face, real battles that we've all had to go through, real struggles, some that we were our, were our own doing, some that we were victims of. I'm not denying that. I'm certainly not making light of the hurt that many of us might have endured or gone through in our life or in our past. But just like with Bartimaeus, I believe that God would want us to open our ears today. He would want us to open our hearts and our spirits and say, God, I believe that you want to do something in my life today. You want to transform my life today. You want to do what only you can do in my life today. I believe that he would say to us, I need you to hear that hope is coming down your road and it's coming right now. It's not this far off in the distant thing. Not dangling a carrot in front of anybody. He's saying, but I want to meet you and I want to meet you now. I believe that Jesus is longing to do something in our lives today. Today. And Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is passing by. When he hears this, the Bible says that he began to call out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David. Have mercy on me. It's interesting that this is the first time Jesus is referred to as the son of David. We don't see that before then. We have the son of Timaeus calling out to the son of David. Maybe it's connected in some way. Maybe it could be the fact that David had had some mess-ups in his life. David, David had some, he had fallen a couple of times 
This man after God's own heart, this mighty warrior, the greatest king of Israel, this this amazing songwriter and worshiper, he had some issues. He had some problems. He, He failed a few times. There was failure and there was sin in his life. If you read the story, there was adultery and there was murder. But out of all that mess up in David's life, after that whole big saga that took place, the post-failure, you know what came out of that? You know what came out of all of that? That mess up in David's life was a child. A child was produced. And that child's name was Solomon, who ended up being and becoming the wisest man who ever lived, other than Jesus. Maybe Bartimaeus in that moment is thinking, I know you're a God that works with messed up families. Because you... You, you, you know about the mess-ups of life because you come from the lineage of David. So I want to remind you of that, Jesus. You know, you know about it. It's even, in your, it's even in your family history. And if you helped up, if you helped that messed-up family, maybe you can help the son of Timaeus too. I love what happens here. He asked for mercy. He's been asking for money. He's been on the side of the road begging, but when Jesus shows up, he shifts gears a little bit. He changes his whole whole focus at this point. He's been begging for money, and and you would think that he would be asking for healing, but no, he asked for mercy. Can I tell you that the presence of God has this amazing way of pulling something out of us that, that we didn't even know was there before Jesus showed up? You know, I can walk into the presence of God, whether that be in a church house, whether it be in a prayer closet, or whether it be just driving down the road and all of a sudden I feel the presence of God. There are things that begin, I can think that I needed this and I wanted this and this is what I felt like God was going to do or should do in my life. And in the presence of God, all of a sudden all that changed and I realized I had need of something else that was way more important than whatever it was I thought I needed at the time. And so nurse this moment, a blind man who's obviously poor, begging, and he cries out for mercy. The presence of God has a way of pulling things out of us that we didn't even know was there before Jesus showed up. There have been many of us who pre-walking into that moment and place in God's presence or pre-time of worship in our hearts and our lives or that pre-ministry time or pre-hearing of God's word. We were angry and we were bitter. We wanted, we wanted whoever had slighted us or whoever had hurt us, we wanted payback and retribution. But in God's presence, in that moment when Jesus shows up, we started thinking things like this. I need to let it go. I need to forgive. If he forgave me, if God forgave me, I certainly need to forgive them. All of a sudden, we're finding stuff inside of us. All of a sudden, things are happening inside of us that we weren't planning on happening before we entered into the presence of God. But his presence has a way of doing that. I've seen grown men, tough men. There's no way they were ever going to let a tear come down their face. But then all of a sudden, Jesus showed up and the tear, the waterworks opened up and the tears began to flow. I've watched grown men with tears streaming down their cheeks saying, I tried to hold it back. I don't even know what's going on with me, but I just can't stop crying. That's what happened in the presence of God. Others who have said in those moments that their hands literally were shaking. And so the presence is because physically they didn't even need, they didn't even know even know what to do in that moment. So all of a sudden it was just showing up physically and they just began to shake. We've seen relationships and we've seen marriages completely turned around and healed that were completely hopeless. And it all happened in the presence of God. 
people who have had complete transformations in their life. And it happened. We've been able to witness it. We've been able to see it through this ministry, through the ministry of Life Church. And it's one reason and one reason only. And it's because Jesus passed by. Jesus showed up. When we find ourselves in these God moments, and I've been declaring it ever since I got up here, and I'm saying it one more time, I believe this is one of those moments. This is one of those God moments in our lives. You woke up this morning thinking that you were just coming to do your regular Sunday thing by going to church, but meanwhile, God had a different plan. He said, he said you've been going through some stuff. You've been carrying some baggage. You've got some weight on your shoulders. You've got some, you've got some focus that, in places that it doesn't need to be, and I've, I've ordained you. I've, I have called you to this moment to hear this particular word because I'm wanting to meet you where you are. I believe this is one of those moments where he meets us. This pulled something out of Bartimaeus that he hasn't even seen before, that he didn't even know he was looking for. He was asking for money, and he can't even see. He has no idea what's going on, but that's, that's what's so amazing about the presence of God. It's like there's a shift in the atmosphere. You can't explain it, but you can't deny it either. Jesus is here. And Bartimaeus starts crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on the son of Timaeus. The Bible says that the crowd would tell him to quieten down. They began to rebuke him. They began to, they began to try to shut him down and warn him. They began to tell him, be quiet. Don't bother. Don't bother the teacher. The reason the crowd could tell Bartimaeus to be quiet is because they weren't the ones who were blind. And when people don't really know what you're going through, if they're not walking your road, if they're not walking in your shoes, it's easy for them to say, well, why are you doing that? Why do you have to go to that church every stinking Sunday? What's the point? What's the point in fasting over this situation in your life. Well, why, why are you doing why do you Why do you play that kind of music all the time every time you get in your car? Well, why are you doing all Why are you all been reading the Bible? Why, why is that the book you're always reading all the time? See, if someone has never been blind before and you're the one who's blind, they're not going to understand. And it's real easy for, for others to judge our actions or to criticize when they're not the one who's blind when they don't know what your marriage is really going through right now, when they don't know the struggle that you're facing with your son or your daughter, when they don't relate to where you are with your thoughts and your minds and the depression that you have to battle and face from day to day, they don't understand how desperate you are to get back on the road again. So they'll criticize and say, just hush up, just hush up. You keep doing what you've been doing, Bartimaeus. You, you stay right there on that place on the side of the road. You, you've done fine all these years. We've we, we, we met your needs. we put enough coins in your, in your cup to get you enough bread for the day. You just hush up. Jesus has got more important things to do. I want to challenge someone today in God's presence. Don't miss an opportunity because of someone else's opinion or what you're, or what you're afraid someone else's opinion is going to be. There will always be opinions. There will always be someone questioning you. There will always be someone trying to quieten you down. There will always be the naysayers. There will always be the ones trying to remind you of your past. There will be, always be those trying to remind you that you're not even deserving of this moment with Jesus. But when Jesus passes by, 
That's what I call an opportunity. That's what I call an opportunity. And don't waste a God opportunity because of someone else's opinion. If we're waiting for everyone else to hit the like button on the spiritual status of our life, we're never going to get the miracle, the breakthrough, breakthrough that we need in our lives. There will always be someone pulling you back. There will always be someone putting you down. But we need to allow faith to stir up something on the inside of us. It's what I've often referred to as the second shout. And I'm closing with this. I'm closing with the second shout. The second shout. I love this because, see, the crowd tried to quieten him down. They did. They did. And, 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 and the first the first shout, in, in the first shout in Bartimaeus' life, he cried out and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they quietened him down. The first shout got shot down. The first shout got rejected. But then it began to well up from the inside. He said, I'm not going to be satisfied with that. I'm not, I, I'm not going to let the opinions of others control me. I've been in this desperate place way too long. I've sat on the side of this road way too long. I've been in poverty way too long. I've been without sight way too long. And he's not going to let the opinions of others, I'm not going to let the the climate of the day, the the society's climate, I'm not going to let it dictate to me. And he cries out again. It began to well up inside of him. And the, the Bible says that he cried out all the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I hope that I'm looking at a group of folks today who's got a second shout in you. I hope hope I'm talking to some people today that says, you know what, I'm not going to stop here. I'm not going to give up here. There's another shout in me. Some of us need to declare today that my condition is not my conclusion. My condition is not my conclusion. Here's my condition. You may see me on the side of the road. That may be my condition right now. I may be dirty and dusty. I may even be in a begging posture right now. I may look like I'm falling apart. But my faith, my faith is high today. My eyes are set on what they're supposed to be set on. I've opened my ears to hear that Jesus is passing by today. I've opened up my hearing today to know that that Jesus wants to meet me where I am today. Every worry, every fear, every bit of shame and condemnation that I'm carrying from yesterday, the, the answer has shown up. The healer is in the house and I've opened my ears I, I, I look like I'm falling apart. I look like my world is, is all crumbling or down around me because I can't see and I'm blind. That's, my, that's, that's what's working against me. But I want to tell you what's working for me. I believe, I believe that the answer has come to show up in my life. And Jesus is passing. I can hear him. I'm coming out of this. I'm getting back on the road. And I'm going to finish strong. The Bible says at that moment, it says, Jesus stood still. I love this. Jesus stood still. I, I, I wish that we all could just take a moment right now and pause and think about all the moments in our lives 
where Jesus stood still. I told you earlier, I'm 44 years old, going on 95, but 44 years old, so I'm, I'm a young man, still wet behind the ears. I still don't know what that means. I, I have no idea what wet behind the ears means. Like, I don't ever remember being wet behind my ears. I just don't ever remember that being the case. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't even know what that means. But I still feel young. Okay, I am young. I'm a young man. But I can tell you this much: I have lived 44 years. I don't have to look in the rearview rearview mirror very much to see how faithful, how faithful God has been. I think it would do us all good to take a moment and just pause. Think about all the moments that Jesus stood still in your life, in your family's life. It puzzles me when I talk to people of faith sometimes. And I'll just be honest with you. It's not people. It's not other people. It's me too. It puzzles me when I think about some of the thoughts that I think sometimes. God, how are we ever going to get through this? How is this thing ever going to work out? I, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. What light I do see, I think it's a train. It's, I, I, I just, and it's amazing that in those moments, if I would just look in the rearview mirror and realize that in 44 years, in my entire life, he has never failed me one time. He has always made a way in those moments when it seemed like there was no way. Every single time, he has a 100% track record. So how arrogant of me to think that now this is going to be the situation. <laughs> this one is going to be the one that finally broke the camel's back with God in my life. This is going to be the one that he's going to say, okay, Kevin, I've taken you as far as I can take you. This is it. I'm dropping you off into the great abyss. How foolish of me. How arrogant of me to diminish and belittle God to that place when he's been so faithful and he says he's the same and he will go with me to the very ends of the earth. He promised that he'll never leave me. He will never forsake me. So it puzzles me when people of God get so worked up. Oh God, what are we going to do? Oh God, oh God. He's going to do the same thing he's always done. He's going to be right there with you. There's going to be moments where you feel like collapsing. There'll be moments when you do collapse, and guess what's going to happen? He's going to be there to hold you. He's going to catch you, and he's going to hold you. He's going to nurture you during that time. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to pat you up, and he's going to put you back on your way again. You're going to survive. You're going to get back up again. You're going to go again. We need to see the pause for a minute. We need to let today be a, a little testimony time where you just begin to think about the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. Let's don't get so worked up. I'm preaching to Kevin. I'm going. If it was up to the crowd, they would have probably kept going. If it was up to the popular opinion, I'm sure everyone, everyone would, have, would, have, would, have, would have just kept going. But Jesus, Jesus, he stood still. I may not always meet your need. I, I will fail you. Friends will fail you. Family will fail you. People will fail you. But I want to tell you something. When Jesus sees the need, he will meet you there. He will never leave you. He'll come to where you are. Can we just look back over our life and remember those moments where he stood still for us?
Maybe your marriage was about to crumble, but Jesus stood still. Maybe, maybe you were lying in that hospital bed and there was way more questions than answers. There was all kinds of diagnoses with no real answers. And it was in that moment that you experienced Jesus standing still over that hospital bed. Maybe you did go through that failed marriage and everything did fall apart and you felt hopeless and you felt like there's no future here. But then Jesus came into your life and he stood still and he began to restore all the love and all the healing and all the wholeness you needed in your life. Maybe, maybe you were at that place where you had way more, way more bills than you had checkbook and it was the middle of the month. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, just manna from heaven began to fuel, and all of a sudden, all of the needs were met. What, I, I don't know where Jesus stood still for you, but I wish we could just take a moment today and just remember the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Stand with me today, if you will, across this room. And here's the way I'd like to close this service out today. I, I, I just believe, no doubt, there are some of us in one way or another, one, one, one area of our life or another, we have found ourselves on the side of the road without hope, without clear direction, without understanding. I, God, I don't know. And Jesus has come to you today. He's used the, the feeble attempts of a, of a preacher and his broken vocabulary and inability to talk sometimes, but he's used somehow that voice to just remind you, I'm here and I'm for you. If you'll just cast your cares upon me because I care for you, I, I, I've got great things I'm going to do in your life. There's great healing. There's a great miracle waiting for you. Can I, can I just say this? I, I didn't really have time for us on it today, but, but it was a point out where I wanted to make here today, and it's this. I, I believe it's good for us sometimes to come to a place of desperation. That's what happened in the life of Bartimaeus. That's why he was able to overcome the opinions of others. That's the reason why he was able to, to hear Jesus over all the other rhetoric, because, because he, he was so desperate. And here's what I mean by that. I don't believe that God gets any gratification out of hearing us or seeing us grovel. He's a loving father who wants to meet us where we are. Desperation is not for him. It's not for him to say, okay, you finally got desperate enough. Now I'm going to go meet him. No, that would, that, that's, that's manipulation and, and that's a sick relationship. That's not what it is. But see, desperation is not for God. Desperation is for us. Because what desperation does is desperation brings me to my end. And it brings me to the place that I need to be where all of a sudden now, when I come to that place of desperation, I'm able, to, I'm able to close off everything else and now all of a sudden I have an ear to hear. So let's don't curse those moments of desperation in our life. Let's embrace them and say, God, I realize you've got me at this place and now, God, I'm just so hungry. I'm just so hungry for you to do what only you can do in my life, for you to take control. And so today, here's what I want to do. It can happen right where you stand. You don't have to come to the front of this church, but if you want to, I'm going to open this altar up and allow you to come. Whatever step you need to take, if it's lifting up hands of surrender, saying, God, I give it all to you today. If, it, if it's in the aisle and coming and kneeling at, at, a, at an altar step today or whatever it may be for you, if it's making the chair in front of you, your altar, whatever you need to do today, I'm telling you, he's come to meet you where you are. He's come to heal. He's come to set free. He's come to deliver. He's come to restore. He's come to do what you need in your life 
today, what he knows you need in your life today. So let's let him do it today. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing a song together. And as we sing, I'm just going to open this time up for you to let God minister in your life, whatever you, if you come here to the front, there's some of us that's going to come and join with you and pray with you, believe God with you. You don't have to tell us anything, but we want to just want to stand with you in faith today we're gonna we're gonna have a special time of ministry in these last few moments that we have together father we thank you for your presence for your peace that we find lord god in your in, in this place in this place of your presence god where you've come to meet us lord so many of us where we found ourselves on the side of the road we found ourselves in desperate situations uh our minds uh, perplexed, God, with the issues of the moment and the day, and, and, and it's paralyzed us on the side of the road. And so today, God, we've come. We, we hear you, God. We hear what you're saying. We, we hear your clarion call and your voice to us today that says, I've come to meet you where you are. So God, I ask you, Lord, by your healing grace and power, <laughs> Jesus, son of David, have mercy on son of C.D. Heal and re- have, son, have mercy on son of George today, God. If you can if you can heal and restore C.D. Bates, God, you can heal and restore me. If you can heal and restore David back to his rightful place on his throne, you can heal me today, God. Do in my life what only you can do. And I give it all to you today, Lord. Come and have your way in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to worship just for a moment. I open, I open this altar up today. God bless you.
Father, again, we thank you for all your many blessings. Most of all, we're thankful for the forgiveness of our sins that comes through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray.